Have you ever wondered why you aren't getting the results, relationships, or life that you want, or why some of your clients run into the same problems? I'm certified life coach, Lindsay Pullman, and I'm here to tell you that there's nothing wrong with you. There's just more to understand about the multifaceted beauty of the human body. I believe that being trauma-informed is an essential standard of care for coaches, and I'm here to support life coaches who recognize that there is so much more than mindset work when it comes to supporting ourselves and our clients responsibly. So glad you're here. Come on in. After recording this grief episode, I realized that it would make a lot of sense for it to be broken into two parts. And I want you to know that both parts are very, very important for different reasons. Part two explains more about grief, where we see it in coaching, and gives lots of examples of how we can be validating our grief, validating clients' grief, and how we may be invalidating grief of our family, peers, and ourselves. So make sure you stay tuned for part two and enjoy part one today. Hello, beautiful people. I am so happy that you are here listening today. I am really looking forward to getting into the podcast content and also just want you to know, I do have some special offers coming up for those who are looking to become trauma-informed as coaches and also for those who are not coaches or who are coaches who aren't interested in the trauma-informed training, but you're interested in healing from difficult things in your life. Stay tuned and get on my email list. You can go to lindsaypullmancoaching.com. That's P-O-E-L-M-A-N. Make sure you're on my email list because the offers are going to come through first to my email list. And then hopefully things will, you know, from there, things will come out through Instagram and through this podcast and whatnot. So I have something really special brewing and it feels like maybe one of my most important aligned things that I ever do (laughs) as a human. Um, and I get emotional just thinking about it. And so that is going to be announced uh, probably within the next week or two. So if you are curious about what that is, what that entails, get on my email list. You will have immediate access and you'll be one of the first to know. All right. So today what I'm talking about for coaches, but even if you're not a coach, this episode can be so helpful for you as a human, which is things that we miss with respect to what we're experiencing. And that is grief assessing and processing, okay? I love coaching, okay? And if you're a coach, you probably love coaching. And I also love being a human. Well, maybe like 98% of the time, or maybe on you know certain weeks, maybe more like 50% of the time. <laughs> oh my gosh. I really do love the human experience that I'm having here on this planet. And while... You know, as I go through considerable growth and healing and evolving, it isn't always easy. But there's one thing that makes it a lot easier. And that is me having knowledge and an intimate understanding of what grief is so that I can process it as it comes. And I can recognize what it is, what it might look like, what it might feel like, and let it be there in a way that it can move to and through me because it's not always something you can just bring up on cue. I've just noticed as I evolve and go through, you know, a lot of different things in my life, the more that I can pick up on what grief is and cues for my need to grieve, 
the more I just have so much compassion for myself with where I'm at. Okay. And one thing that I've noticed in the coaching industry is that grief is the understanding that humans and coaches have around grief is like, I feel like we could do better. <laughs> now, I know there are plenty of grief experts out there and they would they may, they would maybe say something similarly. So whether you're a coach or whether you're a human, I think our general cultural human understanding of grief has ideas that are just plain wrong. And so today when I'm talking about grief, I'm going to talk about some myths about grief, things that we're missing. Um, I'm going to talk to you more about what I think grief is. I'm going to give you some ideas of things you can say to yourself to validate your grief and also to support your family, friends, and for you coaches, support your clients as well. Okay. So let's dismantle some grief myths. Okay. The first thing is that I want to dismantle for y'all is this idea that there are stages of grief. Okay. We know those different stages, right? There's denial, there's anger, there's, you know, all those different things. And I think the person who actually created the seven, six or seven stages of grief, they didn't mean for it to become this linear, <laughs> linear experience that people walk through, but someone turned it into that. And so I think that's something to be helpful that can be really helpful as you tune in to your own grief and what that might look like is there isn't a set stage or linear model for you to work through your grief. You may experience a lot of one thing and not any of the other. One thing might come and go and come and go and come and go. And that doesn't mean that something's wrong with you. And so the more that you can just understand that, I think the more you can let your experience of grief be more experiential and not like this, you know, linear roadmap. Okay. The other thing I just want to say is that there's no linear process to working through your grief grief as well. So going through grief is not this one and done thing. You don't grieve something once and then have this, you know, little stamp of guarantee that it's never going to come back again. Okay. And so just recognizing that it's maybe different. It's not this linear process can be, I think can help us move through it more appropriately in a way that serves us more. Okay. Another thing is, is there a myth about grief is that there is this hierarchy of grievable, quote, grievable circumstances. Some things are worse than others. Some things are okay to grieve while some are not. This is not the case. And I will get into it a little more about that a little bit later. Okay. Another myth is that there's like a timeline, right? And we, you know, it makes sense. We hear these stories of people being in mourning for a week or for a year and needing to wear black for a certain amount of time. And when we put an agenda or a timeline on how we're supposed to grieve or process or arrive at some sort of destination. For me, having those agendas are constraining and restrictive and they don't allow our feelings to be as expansive and fluid as we might like or need them to be for the grief to flow through and healing to come. Okay. Another myth, and this kind of goes in with that hierarchy thing is that there are things where it does make sense to grieve and others where it doesn't make sense. Okay. So just as humans, based on our own unique individual mapping, um, childhood development, things that we've internalized, stuff that we've inherited, so much stuff. And by stuff that we, we've inherited, I mean like inherited traits and inher inherited trauma, things like that. We can't, to me, trying to say that something makes sense for one person to grieve, but not another 
or that there's just like a hard line with certain experiences that no one should have to grieve those. It just doesn't make sense with respect to how multifaceted our human experience is. Okay. And another thing I just want to mention is that the idea that there's a beginning and end to grief doesn't always serve everybody. So take what resonates with you and what feels resonant with you. And I just know that when people think that they have grieved something and they have an expectation that it never should come up again, but then it does, that sometimes doesn't support us in, again, letting stuff move through as it's meant to. Okay. So now that I've described some of these myths around grief, it could be worth just asking yourself, even pausing this podcast for a moment and just asking, you know, have, have I ever judged myself according to some of these myths that I've internalized around grief? You know, when have there been times where maybe I needed to grieve something and I didn't allow myself for any of these reasons? Okay. I'm now going to talk a little bit more about grief. Okay. When should I feel grief? How can I know if there's something to grieve? Well, first, let's get into a few definitions around grief, okay? The first definition of grief from the dictionary is this idea of, you know, intense sorrow, especially caused by someone's death. She was overcome with grief would be an example, okay? The second definition is trouble or annoyance, okay? And, you know, when I look at these two definitions, I think it makes sense that we might have a hard time giving ourselves permission to grief because sometimes if you just look at that first definition, the focus is on something that appears to be extreme, like a death, okay? So with that being said, let's set the record straight for ourselves and our clients that we care so much about, okay? And you know what? If you are a coach and you're listening, it might be the most beneficial to just think about this with respect to you and something that you're experiencing. Okay. So one thing that I want to focus on with respect to grief is this idea that it's experiential. Okay. It comes, it goes, it ebbs, it flows. And as you think about that, think of something that you are disappointed or sad or frustrated about in your life. Okay. When we allow ourselves to feel and experience grief, to me, it's a reflection of our aliveness. And as we expand in our grief, we equally expand and engage in experiencing a full range of emotions, okay? Not numbing out the upper and lower vibrationally held emotions, knowing how to feel deep sadness and sorrow when it comes to me, it opens me up to being able to feel that exquisite joy as well, okay? You know, some people say that actually I'm thinking about my colleague, Kathy Kinghorn. She said this in one of our, in our group sessions, she said, there's an innocence that's lost with grief. And when that happens, the compensatory gift is wisdom. Okay. Yeah. Some people think that this is something to move through once. And while it can be for some, and it can be for certain experiences, it's going to be different for others. And so if you can, if you're open to it, let your grief be yours, okay? You may move through it. You may ride its waves. It may come, it may go, it may ebb, it may flow. But if you can just let it be yours, oof, magic, seriously, okay? All right, I'm gonna give some examples of experiences where um, there may be something to grieve. And after I give these examples, I'm going to 
help you see why these experiences or these examples are could potentially be a, re a reason for some people to grieve, okay? So whether in a committed marriage or after divorce, grieving the loss of what you thought things would look like, okay? Grieving what you pictured to be motherhood versus what it is. Grieving what you thought a vacation would look like versus what it is. Grieving what you thought your child would be interested in versus what he, she, they are interested in, okay? Grieving your childhood and how its effects have affected your adulthood, okay? Grieving the loss of any beliefs, mistreatment, or anything in that respect around religion or uh, any institutions or organizations or structures or systems that you've been a part of. And on that note, I think grieving the awareness of, you know, the injustice and oppression that exists in our world today, you know, and grieving that you may even potentially benefit from it as a person of privilege and recognizing that it's okay to grieve that so that you can then let that move through you so that you can show up in a way that you want to, okay? Grieving how your relationship with one person affects your relationship with others. Grieving the chronic ongoing mental illness of a spouse and the lack of support that you receive through this, you know, kind of hidden illness that not a lot of people understand or respect or even know how to show up and support. Grieving how you pictured your coaching practice to be versus what it is. Grieving how you didn't know you could speak up for yourself as you do now, okay? Grieving the loss for younger versions of yourself in any way, okay? Grieving the loss of life experience due to weight, things that you may feel like you've missed out on, okay? So I gave a lot of examples and I did that for a reason because sometimes it can be hard for us to give ourselves permission to grieve stuff that comes up, even though doing that can be most beneficial things for our health and well-being, okay? And as I laid all of that out, sit with it for a minute. What comes up for you? Is there anything that you're ready to feel? Is there any validation that you feel knowing, you know, just hearing these different examples of things that can be grieved, okay? It could be grieving that a birthday party didn't happen on a certain day, okay? And I'm saying that and leading into this next idea, about grief, which is permission. Okay, let's teach ourselves and our clients how to grant, grant permission to grieve, okay? Anytime your perception of what you thought would be doesn't line up with reality, there gets to be something to grieve. Permission granted, the end, anything goes, your relationship or relationship loss with anything Okay, birthday party not happening on the same day or the right day that you want, you have the right to grieve that, okay? I had a client once share this photo of a grief ball in a jar. And I love it so much because it showed this little jar and it showed this little ball. That, let's say the ball was like, I don't know, 10 centimeters in diameter. <laughs> I live in Europe now, so I'm speaking in centimeters. And it, it said something to the degree of like how society thinks that grief looks. And it shows like a timeline. And in the beginning of a grieving experience, it shows the grief ball being, you know, 10 centimeters. 
And then somewhere down the timeline, it's down to five and then it's down to like one. And what this picture shows is that it's very possible that the grief ball isn't shrinking at all with time. The jar, the capacity of the jar to hold the grief is expanding. So it's the jar that's getting bigger that allows that perception of grief to feel smaller. Okay. What if we grow around our grief? And what if we don't have this agenda where we need it to go away? What if we can develop capacity to grow around it? Because I know for me, when I'm able to hold capacity for my grief, I've noticed that I'm able to experience best worst days or the worst best days in the same day. I can feel something horrible. And by allowing for that, I can, I'm simultaneously opening myself up to feel what's on the other side. All right. Another thing, normalizing grief. Grief is one of those things. I think trauma is too. Grief is one of those things that I think we just kind of connote it as a negative experience. What would be different if we just normalized it and helped the world see that it's a natural part of our human existence? Something that we can honor. Something that's universal that we all carry, right? We don't need to have half to have had to experience something massive and huge to say or decide, you know, whether that's something to grieve, what if we normalize it as part of our human experience? And I think there are societies and cultures where grief is more normalized and it's pretty cool to see how stuff is processed and moved through when cultures are able to do that versus having, you know, tight restricted agendas for what grief should, could uh, I should say should look like, or I want to say should look like, okay? Now with relationships too, I wanted to bring this up, of course, because my certification for coaches program, it is specific to relationship. It's a trauma-informed coaching certification and we niche it in a little bit with um, this add-on of a relationship component. And so that's why I'm tossing this in here because I want you to see that relationships are generally very complex. We're all moving and evolving through this earthly experience together, which may mean that within, you know, a few or many of your relationships, whether it's with people, places, things, experiences, money, organizations, institutions, there might be a lot of different facets to grieve. Okay. There may not be, and there might be. So being open to grief as it comes up in relationships without judgment can be incredibly grounding and loving to yourself. That's it for part one. Stay tuned for part two, which will be posted live next week, along with some offers that I have for people who have something to grieve. So are you ready to become a part of our forever community of trauma-informed coaches? Go to lindsaypullman.com and see if my advanced certification is a fit for you. Coaches change lives, it's what we doing. This the place to be, no need to panic see. We got each other's backs in this healing community. Wanna know the facts? It's simple. When we coming together, yeah, we got unity.